Hello and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. Here's Pastor Brock Meyer. When Jesus is the Lord and when our lives are submitted to the law of God. If we would say, no, life is better outside of Jesus being my Lord, or life is better outside of living under the law of God, we probably haven't fully submitted our lives to Jesus Christ, saying that you will be the Lord of my life. Lord means sovereign owner, and that you will be the king of my life, meaning that you are the absolute authority. And then the other one would be that I would submit, and this word submit is two words. It means it's sub and it's mission. Submission means sub is like a submarine. It comes under. Okay? It's a substitute teacher. It serves under the real teacher. It's a sub sandwich. We also can have those next week or two weeks. What? Three weeks. Is it that long? Oh, man. It means it comes underneath the mission of whoever the leader is to, to submit. Right? So we submit to this king with our lives is what it means to truly be a follower of Jesus Christ. And we believe that our nation is at this crossroads, right? And that the best place for our country to be is under total submission to the lordship of Jesus Christ and that we would have godly law reign and rule over the land. If we do not want godly law reigning and ruling over the land, then we might not be operating with the mind of Christ. And so we believe that, the, that the, the nation that is blessed is the one that is in submission to God. In Psalm 33, 12, it says, blessed is the nation whose God is Lord. He's the Lord, the people that he has chosen for his inheritance. I want to tell you about submission. Whenever I first got my dog, Wrigley, Wrigley is a ball of energy. He is a shaken up Red Bull infused into his bloodstream. That, that's, my, that's my dog. He's never had a bad day in his life. He is uber positive. Anybody have a golden? You know what I'm talking about? Nobody. I'll tell you about him. Okay, here you go. Pains know what's up. Goldens think that everybody's their friend. Goldens love everyone. Goldens live in forgiveness. They just like, I don't know, you didn't hurt me. Let's go play. They just are all about it all the time. And especially with, with little kids, they've got unbelievable, great, nurturing, and just solid energy with families. So we take Wrigley when we first get him to obedience school. Can I tell you, that was the best 11 weeks of his life. Um, and so we teach him, and we train him, and we put him into these submission holes, and you lay the dog on his side, and you hold him down. You actually even put your hand on his throat, kind of letting him know, hey, there's a different alpha that's leading this pack, right? And you hold him down. Another one is you put him completely on his back, and you get on your hands and knees over the top of him with all of his legs spread, and you just stare him in the eye. And you know what he does? He goes... He wants to look everywhere but your eye, and especially whenever he's, like, amped. He's like... The whole time. And now, we've done it so often, I'll lay on top of him, I'll stare him in the face, and he just looks right back up at me. Complete submission. He'll look at me. This dog follows me everywhere. We might have life group, and the house is packed full of people, and he'll go up you know, to everybody, and he wants to sniff everybody. But after he's done sniffing you, he's looking for me. 
and he'll come up to me and he finds me in a room full of people. He'll find me and he comes up and he sits at my feet and he looks up at me. I'll put a whole plate of food on the, on the ground and he will not get up until I tell him that he can have it. I'll, I'll lay it down there and he will not, I'll, I'll put it on his nose and he won't move. We've trained this dog and said, I'll hide food around the house. I probably should find some of it now, but I'll hide food around the house. And now I'm doing like tracking training with him and pointing because I would love for him to actually be a retriever. And so I'll have him in front of me and I'll say, bird, and I'll point in a direction and he knows to go that way. And then he comes back to me and I'll say, bird, and he'll go this way. And we're, we're like hiding food. And so he, he'll, he'll, he'll do this sort of stuff. Whenever I go to the bathroom, he walks into the bathroom and he stands right next to me. Just like staring up at me. Say, say well, we'll be, well, maybe we've got people over at, at the house and we're eating at the table. He either sits at my feet or he sits at my side and just stares at me the whole time. It's unbelievable how this dog will operate in submission. Recently... Wrigley, we would have him because we've got a privacy fence. Wrigley got so fired up, and he's four, and we haven't cut him yet, and so he's very fired up, if you know what I'm saying. And so I don't know if there's other female dogs in the area, but he was digging like he was going to the other side of the world, and he gets, on the, he gets out from underneath this fence, and now he knows he can do it. And so what's amazing is that when you put up restrictions and whenever you put up fences that are here to protect you, and you say, thanks, but no thanks, I want to go outside of these fences, what you do is you're actually inviting more discipline into your life. You're inviting a heavier ruler to reign over you. And so now, Wrigley, because we cannot trust him inside the parameters that we've given him, he has freedom inside the fence. Are y'all with me? And in America, we have so much freedom that God has given us. We have so many freedoms of choice that we push past all of the barriers and fences of a godly law that says, do not do this. And they say, but we're Americans. Don't tell me what I can't do. I'm an American. I'm free to do whatever I want. And we would appeal to be an American more than we would be in a Christian and saying, no, my life is completely submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ. There is a master who reigns over me, and he's put up fences that I should not dig through and around and climb over and jump and kick over. I need to live within the, the confines of the freedoms and the boundaries established for me. Are y'all tracking this? And because he wants to climb out, now he has to be on a, uh, on a not a leash, but like a, what's that called? I don't know. But he's on it, and it's a long cord that he's, that, he's, that he's on now. And so because you cannot be trusted with freedom, you're now going to have a taskmaster who's going to enforce heavier-handed law. It's unbelievable how we move into these places where we have so much freedom in America, and it actually brings more restriction. One of the things I'm doing with him right now is I'm doing leash training where I'll go for a jog. And we'll go for a jog, and what you got to do whenever you're trying to train a dog is you got to wear him out. Because if he's all amped and it's the first part of the day and you're hiding food, like in the yard and stuff, he's just like, yeah, I don't know, I'm just going to go, you know, he'll like climb the play set or jump on the trampoline. I'm not kidding, he jumps on the trampoline. So we'll, 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 we'll do this. you got to wear the guy out. you got to break him down to where finally he's like, okay, what are we doing? What, what is it that we're going to do? 
And I just wonder if sometimes Jesus isn't going to have to break us down, break down a country in order to say, can I please have your attention again? And we're like, okay, yes, I need to submit. So I'll run him, and we'll run to the park. We'll run around the park. I let him run as far as he wants to around the park until he is gassed. And then we're going to run home. And I take the leash off, and we'll jog, and he's right by my side. And there's other dogs that are barking. And before, he would take off. He wants to see everybody. Oh, he's inviting me over to play. And now he sees them. I'm free, boys. Say, hey, oh, yeah, you're on the other side of that fence. Bummer. I'm free. And he's able to run free. Here's the deal. Is if we can understand that there's a master who is for us, who really wants to set free his people, but we've got to live within the confines of godly living that will bring the best life. Because we agree at the beginning that the lordship of Jesus Christ reigning and ruling over our life is the best life. And whenever he brings in good fences of boundaries and law around us, it's for our benefit. It's not for our, our harm. And so for us to say thanks but no thanks, you didn't consult me on this one. I'm going to go ahead and live my life is the chief of rebellion to snub your nose at a king. Here's the thing about America is we don't live in a kingdom. We live in a democratic republic. A democratic republic says, I get to vote. I want to vote. I don't like that. I'm going to tell you my opinion. You want me to take a survey? Here's my survey. I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. But when you live in a kingdom, the king makes the law, and here's your response. You listen up. And you listen good. And you have one response, and it is to obey. And whenever somebody, a messenger, would come in and says, Thus saith the king, you lean in, and your response isn't, eh, I don't know if I agree with that one. The king, he's a little bit off on this. Well, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll go along with that one. No, no, no. If you don't obey a king, it's off with your head. That's how kingdoms are ran. Jesus doesn't say, I'm setting up a democratic republic where everybody gets to vote. No, he says, I'm setting up a kingdom where I am the king. I'm actually the king of kings. I'm the ultimate authority over the show. And you don't get to vote on this thing. Can I tell you that there's actually freedom in that place? But we've been trained in a democracy where I get to have, have an opinion and I can resist if I want and we'll vote you out. And let me tell you something. I just can't help but believe, as Paul Tripp had, had said to us last week, that we as Christians, we might, tend, we might attend church, but we're like functioning atheists outside of these four walls because we might agree in theory but do not practice it in our lives. We say, yes, he's king, but I'm going to make the call on this one. And there's a disconnect from what we believe and what we actually do. We've got to have submission to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Believe that inside the law, uh, inside the hearts of Christians, there lies in this wrestle and this struggle. Like the Apostle Paul would say, I'm torn, right? There's things that I want to do. There's things that I don't want to do. The things that I used to love, I no now longer love. Like, there's, like I'm, I'm trapped in this body of death. Who will free me from being a slave to sin? 
And this is what happens when we don't fully trust that the best life is in submission to a higher law. When it comes to practically living our lives, we live sometimes as if God is unnecessary, like he doesn't really exist because we don't always need him. We're so blessed in this country. We don't need God's provision. We don't need him to break through. I've got a job. I've got my 401k. I've got everything that I need. I don't need. And whenever we have so much blessing and so much freedom and the fences are far and wide, our imagination gets running wild and we create new kinds of sin. And then we want to celebrate new kinds of sin. And then we want to legislate new kinds of sin. And we want to say, God, your law is old and outdated because we're so, like, progressive. We actually woke up, and now we're smarter than you. So let us put in some new law of how we want to live. And I'll tell you why. Because it's more comfortable. It's it's easier. It's not as restrictive. It's your, your, your ways are a little bit harder. Your ways are a little bit more focused. I just kind of want a free-for-all. And why can't we just have a free-for-all and kick down all of the fences? It goes all the way back to the garden. You can have any tree you want, but I'm putting a fence around this one. Do not eat from that tree. Cool idea, God. I'm going for the thing that you said don't, and I'm, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to glutton myself on sin. And God drove them out of the garden. If we want to live in these places of unbelievable presence where we love God, where we know him, where our hearts are free and full. It is to live within the confines of how he would have us live. You can't just drive your car anywhere you want. There are lines, there are borders, there are boundaries for your benefit. It helps you get to where you're going safely without harm. Sometimes we say, well, people, you can do whatever you want to do as long as you don't hurt others. You don't understand There's something higher than just hurting others or hurting yourself. There is a call of God that's called obedience to his law. We hope that we don't hurt others along the way. We hope that our whole lives don't hurt others, but that's not the number one priority. The number one priority is submission to the lordship of Jesus Christ and to obey his godly commands. You know, the Bible says, thus saith the Lord over and over and over in scripture, and it's not confusing. There's some times where it might be just like a little bit like left up to mystery as a parent. Does anybody ever know, like sometimes there's a mystery. So like your kids are like, hey dad, why this? And you're like, because dad said, I, I don't know. That's kind of a mystery. And then there's thus saith the Lord on this one. It's in black and white scripture. It can't get any cl- clearer. There are a lot of scriptures in the Bible that make no mistake about what is right and about what is wrong. And our job is to not pick and choose from the buffet of which one we like. I like this one, I don't like this one. No, our job is to obey whatever he says is on the menu. Are y'all with me? This phrase, the king of kings, is mentioned in the Bible multiple times where it declares Jesus as the one and only authority over all things. 1 Timothy 6, 15 through 16 says, He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light. Revelation 17, 14 
we read this. They will make war on the lamb, and the lamb will conquer them. For he is Lord of lords. He is king of kings. Those with him are called and chosen and faithful. If you're with him, you're going to be faithful to this word. Deuteronomy 10, 17, we read, For the Lord your God is God of gods, Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God. Psalm 136, 3, we find this. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. What do you all think about Jesus having a tattoo? Nobody? Okay. Well, Revelation 19, 16 says this, on his robe and on his thigh. Y'all notice that thigh tattoo is getting more popular these days? Jesus has something on his thigh. On his thigh is written. Now, I don't know if they did it with an ink pen. I don't know if they did it with a tattoo pen. I don't know if it was just like a magical angel dust pen, but he has something marked on his body. It's written, he's the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. Daniel 2, 47, the king answered and said to Daniel, truly your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries, and you have been able to reveal this mystery. Revelation 1, 5. This is from Jesus, and from Jesus, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus has come, and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Acts 10, 36, as for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Church, it can't be any clearer. Who is the ultimate authority? He has said it time and time and time again. We don't need to pick and choose who the authority is. Our job is to submit to the authority of our lives. There's this modern seduction that's going on on how we should live our lives. Instead of living under the lordship of Jesus Christ, we allow the popular opinions to sway our submission to God. There's this idea of just go along to get along mentality. Just go along to get along. I guess I'll just go along with sinful ideas just as long as we all just love each other. That's the, that's the primary thing. It's not submission to God. It's just to love each other. That should be what we're, our number one thing is. And so you be you just as long as you don't hurt anybody else. You just follow your heart. I'll follow my heart. There's no absolutes, and there's definitely no absolute authority. When we do that, we chop the legs of Scripture completely. The very thing on which we're standing, we remove the foundation of our lives and the foundation of our nation. And then we expect ourselves to build a life on shifting sand and think that somehow it's going to stand. It just is not going to work. We live in fear of a cancel culture. So we better get in line so that we don't get canceled. I better make sure that I follow a certain script. I better preach a safe message. I better just preach we all just love each other. And there's churches that are getting seduced into modern thinking, thinking that we need to go along in order to get along or to even have people show up. Let me tell you something. If all you're trying to do is have people show up and you're not trying to educate mindsets, give them a biblical worldview, and have their lives submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ, you're not a church. You're just a social club. 
go hang out at the bar, hang out with your buddies, go do something else where y'all can talk about cool modern ideas and live however you want. If we're coming to the church, it needs to be the church of Jesus Christ, where we preach the scripture, where we say the only way is through Jesus Christ, through the cross of Christ. It's repenting of sin. It's submitting our lives fully and completely to what he says, not to pick and choose how we will obey. We'll say, if it's in the Bible, it is law, it is life, and it's going to bring me the best life. I don't have an option. I don't get to vote. I live in a kingdom, and I say yes to the king. In submission to him, with all of my energies and passions, I come alive in that place, and I'm free to fully serve him the way that I can. But to live with one foot in and one foot out, and I'm telling you, you're trying to ride two different horses, you're going to lose both of them, and you're going to lose your life if that's your, if that's your approach. If that's your strategy to a Christian life, that's a losing strategy because you're still a slave to sin, but you're still not fully submitted to God. And so you're kind of back and forth. You don't know which way is up. You truly aren't free. You're not free. To watch a musician up here play with no sheet music is freedom. Only because they've spent years of disciplined Focused restriction places, pounding out the guitar string calluses in their hands. It's painful. It hurts. It's hard. I got to memorize. I got to know it. I got to have the word written on the tablet of my heart. I got to know him. And then whenever I get up here, I'm free. Man, I'm so free. But freedom only comes through discipline. Wrigley is only allowed off of his leash because he's running with his master. And if he ever leaves the master, you better believe it. The master is on him hard. He's a hard master because he knows where the best life is. He's not clueless on this thing. He's the author of life. And I'll tell you, instead of fearing that you're going to say the wrong thing, if you're speaking on behalf of God, the Bible would say it this way in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Do not fear the one that can hurt your, your body here on the earth. Instead, fear the one who can kill the body and the soul in hell forever. He says there's a higher fear that we ought to be living with, people, and it's the lordship of Jesus Christ. Restrictions really can be good. This last week, we went, uh, we went four-wheeling, and as we're coming back home, uh, from our four-wheeling, I was one strap, whenever you do these tie-down, I was one tie-down strap short on hauling four-wheelers. And I hauled four four-wheelers and a dirt bike. Don't ever be short on straps when you're hauling that much. And as we're coming back, I'm coming up and I've got this trailer on the back, and the light turns yellow, which means go very fast. And but I'm, I'm kind of legitimately far enough away that I should stop. And so as I'm stopping, this trailer with thousands of pounds are coming up, and I hear, and I, and I get stopped, and all of a sudden I hear, I'm like, no, it came off the hinge, it went to the back of the car, but I didn't feel it as much. And I look back, and in this rearview mirror, one of the four-wheelers is laying upside down, sliding across, we're on the bypass in Marion. I'm like, no. So I 
I'm at, the, I'm at a light, so I throw it in, in park, and I get out, and I hop over the other side, and other stuff had, had, had kind of fallen off, and so I'm grabbing things, and some guy yells at me, you know, I don't know, whatever, I'm like, thanks, appreciate it, that was helpful, and so I get over there, and like this surge of adrenaline hits my, hits my blood, I'm like, I hawk up on this thing, I grab this four-wheeler, flip it over, and the handlebars are completely pressed down on the, on the seat in the gas tank, grab those handlebars, throw them up, and, and the key is, is still in it, and it had dragged across the, the concrete. The key's just all tore up, so I turn the key. I'm going to, there's nothing. It won't even, it won't even act like it's interested. There's just nothing. So I put it in neutral. Alyssa jumps into the, to the, uh, to the driver's side of the car, and we're right there at that, at that corner of, of the bypass, and uh, where the road that goes up to Wabash, what is that, 15-ish? So, yeah, somewhere in there. Um, I actually work right there at TLC. Um, but anyway, Walgreens is right there. I push it up to, uh, to Walgreens parking lot, and Alyssa comes back, and we've got to load this thing up. Let me show you what this strap looks like. Here's the strap that we tried to use. This one is locked in. This one's here. This should not be doing this. <laughs> Completely snapped. And I had one tied in the, in the front, and I had another four-wheeler pulled up from behind that had, we kind of do like this reverse pressure tension thing on it. And at, because I stopped so fast, it was tied in the front, and all it did was just nosedive over the top, snap this cord, and goes flying. How many of y'all know having the right tensions and, and, and restrictions on life go well for you? Otherwise, things get destroyed. Things will be destroyed. Homes will be destroyed. Nations will be destroyed. If we say, we don't need your restrictions, we don't want strapped in, we are free. Stop telling me I can't and allow me to evolve and be something better than what you taught 2,000 years ago. God, I'm smart on this one. Allow me to have the freedom. And whenever people come in, whether it's pastors, it's a boss, it's a parent, it's a politician that says, we want to operate with a mindset of a biblical worldview, our response should be, yes, they're going to bring good to life. Our response should not be, you need to keep your private life private. Don't ever allow your private life to be public. Trust me. When God reigns and rules over all things, life gets really good. Abraham Kuyper said this. He said, there's not a single square inch of all of creation on which God does not declare mine. All things belong to the king of all kings. All things are under his submission. That includes our education, our law, our government, our homes, how I speak to my wife, it needs to be under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Last night, I watched The Lion King with my daughters. And in this movie, The Lion King, there's a big difference between listening to the king and listening to Timon and Pumbaa. There's a big difference between knowing the voice of Mufasa and listening to a warthog. And I want to lay this out for you because if you're not in tune with the voice of the king, we get seduced by the voices of warthogs. 
and we start peeking in, well, at least they're my friends, so let's just all be friends, and then we'll move that way rather than, no, I have radical submission to a king that's higher than a warthog, right? So Timon, Timon and Pumbaa, I think, can be a modern seduction. They're cute. They're friendly. They walk around singing Hakuna Matata, right? No worries. Life is meaningless. No responsibility. Let's just kind of all do whatever we want to do. And so here's Simba. He's wrestling through who he is, and he should be the king, but he's on the run. And these friends are of little help to call him up to who he should truly be. They even have this phrase, when the world turns its back on you, you turn your back on the world. Do whatever it is that you want to do. And because only the king can define you. Only the king can put accurate labels on you. We're running around with no identity, so we just want to take any label. We'll just label ourselves with whatever that are not godly labels. And it's not until Simba has an encounter with King Mufasa does he start living the right way. When we only go the way of the people around us, we forsake the way of the one lording over us. Can I say that again? Okay, I will. When we only go the way of people around us, we forsake the way of the one lording over us over us. There's something seducing about being so kind to man that we stand with people before kneeling before God. Worse, we shame Christians even for having biblical non-negotiables in how they live, non-negotiables in how they vote, non-negotiables in how they submit totally and completely to the word of God. Christians, your private life should be your public life. There is no dichotomy. There is no separation from the sacred and the secular. All things under the sun, under the sun belong to him. There's not a, a single thing on this planet that God does not say, it's mine. I've got some thoughts on that. I've got some ways on how this thing should operate. So he encounters Mufasa. He'll strengthen your heart. He'll sturdy your spine. He will fix your eyes. He will shield your life. And he will be your portion and your joy forever. All of this is awakened inside of Simba because he was stirred by the words of the prophet Rafiki. The prophet Rufiki, he's this weirdo that kind of lives up in a tree. Indiana squash banana is what he says or something like that. But he, he's tuned in to something else. And the prophet monkey says, you're not acting like your father. You're not acting the way that the king would have you live. And Simba questions. He says, you know my father? Rafiki answers. He says, correction, I know your father. He's alive, and I will take you to him. So Rafiki is off, and he's swinging through these trees, and he's, he's quick, and he's moving, and he makes these wild moves. And here's Simba, out in the wilderness, alone, accused by his own family that he's a murderer, abandoned and rejected by his family, chased and hunted. His soul is drying up, 
He's got friends that love him but aren't really challenging him to the next level. And he gets one sniff at the scent of rain. My father is alive. Simba runs and he's busting through these branches, leaping over limbs, busting through bushes, aching, scratching, clawing to be with his father. And he makes it to this river. And Rafiki says, Mufasa lives down in the water. And Simba sees his own reflection. It's like, this isn't my father, this is me. Rafiki says, look hard. And he sees the reflection of the image of the king, Mufasa, the same image in which he was created. He's created in the same image and likeness of a king. Why is he living like a clown? And we can't live like clowns in a circus when we're called to be kings in a kingdom. And Rafiki says, see, he lives in you. And the clouds part and this voice comes from heaven. It's the voice of the king. It's the voice of Mufasa. He says, Simba, remember who you are. Remember. Say it totally, but and I just want to encourage our church can we remember who this lion king is? It's King Jesus, and he's not asking for your opinion, he's not looking for your vote, he is looking for your submission. And his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts, even as the heavens are above the earth, so are his thoughts and his ways higher than ours. And he says, don't do this. And our response should be, yes, king. Hey, I want you to do this. Yes, king, we will obey. In our democratic republic, we have a president. We vote. We would much rather make fun of our authority than to submit to it. Satire commentary. We'll make fun of them. We have a whole Saturday Night Live every Saturday night last night could have watched it. Let's make fun of this guy. He's an idiot. And I'm not, I don't care whoever the president is. They've been doing it for 40 years. We've had all different kinds. We've had blues and reds. It doesn't matter. We're going to make fun of him. We even have this phrase like, well, who died and made you king? We're sarcastic with this. We're so sarcastic with our authorities. I want to encourage us to get out of the mindset of America, which is a democratic republic, and get into the mindset of a biblical worldview that's a kingdom. And we have a king that reigns and rules, and it's complete submission. And we don't approach him half-heartedly. We don't approach him with satire or sarcasm. We approach him with awe and reverence and honor. And we say, yes, even if it's offensive to everyone else around, I'm not responsible for all of that primarily. I'm responsible to my life lived before the throne of Jesus Christ, the king who is over every king. So church, I want to encourage us to live as if God matters, as if he is on the throne. As we close here this morning, I'm just going to ask that we would pray for a fresh submission to really, truly be Christ followers. I would say, God, I'm going to submit it all. I'm going to submit it all. 
even the things that make me uncomfortable, it's not about my comfort, it's about obedience. Even this thing that I really have, I would really rather do this, but I'm going to choose obedience on this one. And we're going to ask for a fresh surrender this morning. I'm also going to ask for our church to not be a social club. If we don't want to go to church, we don't have to. But if we come to church, let's have the conviction of the scripture taught and preached unashamed and unapologetically. Would you all stand with me this morning as we close? Jesus, we say there's one king. It's you alone. Jesus, we pray that you would remove that voter mentality in our hearts where we want to have an opinion on how you should live, how you should govern, how you should make law in our lives. Lord, instead, we want to have total submission to you, Lord. Come on, Jesus, help us here. Lord, I pray that you would just break that spirit that just wants to be so free. You would break us to submit to you. Lord, we want to, like my dog, we want to just sit at your feet. We want to honor the master. And we want to say yes and amen to whatever you call us to. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're so glad that you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast.